Welcome to the Rocket Talents Into the C-Suite Leadership Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you, the growth marketing and product professional, with real-world discussions, insights, strategies, failures, and leadership tactics with notable growth marketing and product leaders, the most cutting-edge, direct-to-consumer, and high-velocity B2B SaaS businesses. I'm Jonathan Spies, founder and president of Rocket Talents. We're the U.S.'s premier growth and product leadership search firm, focused exclusively on empowering direct-to-consumer and high-velocity B2B SaaS businesses to attract, hire, and retain the top 10% of marketing and product leaders, while transforming the careers and lives of marketing and product professionals. Today, we have a very special guest, the Chief Revenue Officer from charity buzz please welcome ben Irwin. how's it going ben going great jonathan thanks for having me yeah thanks for joining us so ben you want to tell the audience a little bit more about charity buzz and what you guys do sure yeah charity buzz is the world's leader in upscale online charity auctions we are a marketplace platform that offers up once in a lifetime money can't buy experiences all in support of tremendous charitable organizations. So think the chance to have a cup of coffee with Tim Cook at Apple HQ, chance to appear in a major motion picture as an extra, or have a meal with your favorite musician. We try to deliver the most unique experiences and access to our community of bidders and in doing so, have raised over $400 million for charity since we launched about 10 years ago. Yeah, it's a great mission. I know that we spoke a few weeks back. So talk about businesses that are obviously going to be impacted right now. As you mentioned, kind of throughout this conversation just now, everything is coffee for this person, potentially being featured on a TV show. So what are you guys seeing in the market right now is obviously those aren't things that you can facilitate for us. It's trying to get maybe a step ahead. So, you know, what I don't ever want our business to be is reactive. So everything started to kind of come to a head with COVID-19. It was really important for me and my senior leadership team to develop a perspective on how we thought the next one, three, six months would look like. And then what is Charity Buzz's place throughout all of this? Because what's really important for us is one of our stakeholders are charitable organizations. And I could argue that there's no specific sector that's being hit harder throughout all of this than charities between their fundraising events having to be canceled and people being a lot more reluctant to give as their own financial security has come into jeopardy. So really early on, you know, I worked on delivering this vision of how I believed consumer behavior would start acting throughout the COVID-19 and then how Charity Buzz would have a position throughout all of it. So in the immediate, it's exactly what you said. Our bread and butter, whether it's live events, gatherings, or one-on-one experiences were no longer going to be appropriate or available to be auctioned off on the website. So it was a really quick move by the entire team to start focusing on inventory and opportunities that we believed would be appropriate 
and attractive to our bidders throughout this period of time where everyone is hopefully isolating, quarantined, and staying at home. So a big shift, which was pretty obvious for us, was pivoting all these experiences to virtual. So, you know, anything that you can do while I'm sitting across a table or a desk from you, you can accomplish over a Skype, a FaceTime, or a Zoom call. So it was going out to all of our existing charities. It was brokering deals or, or forging partnerships with new charities that were created in response to the COVID-19 pandemic to be able to start offering up things that spoke to what consumer behavior is right now. People are at home, so they want to consume activities, things that would make this period of time being quarantined more enjoyable, and they want them now. So it's instant gratification, it's shorter auction windows for us, and it's directly after that auction has ended that the winning bidder is able to fulfill that virtual experience within a week or two weeks time. And we've been able to accomplish that. We launched our first wave this past Monday, and it was really exciting to see all of the metrics and KPIs of the site, traffic, bidding, registrations, respond in a direct correlation. Everything jumped back up because now the site is speaking to the reality of our customers and they've responded. And now we've been able to develop a new revenue channel for our charity partners to make this really unfortunate period of time a little more palatable for them so that they can get unrestricted funds and continue working on their important missions. Yeah, I'm looking on the site right now, and it actually looks like you got Sarah Silverman and, and whatnot. Now, what are you seeing in spending behavior, right? To some extent, your demographic on the bidder side obviously is a more affluent bidder. We're talking about bids that go for several hundred, sometimes thousands or multiple thousands of dollars here. So to some extent, you know, the very affluent are, are insulated, right? But what are you seeing in terms of responses so far? Yeah, look, there's, there's trepidation. A lot of it's tied to the volatility in the markets, but people are still spending money. And, you know, the, the next stage and what I was just describing is going to be the aspirational stage. So some of that's actually occurring right now, but I believe in the next month or two, when we get over the peak of the pandemic, you're going to have uh, purchasing behavior start gravitating towards people who want, who see a light at the end of the tunnel, and they now are going to start thinking about what types of things are they going to do when the social distancing and quarantining is no longer part of everyday life. Having something to look forward to is a very powerful tool when you're going through these uncertain times. So we're still seeing even today travel packages, you know, really high-end luxury travel. It may be private villas, it may be private islands, even yacht charters that can be redeemed in 2021, selling for tens of thousands of dollars. We've seen some really good activity on certain pieces of unique high-end merchandise or memorabilia. Autographed guitars are a niche for us. We sold one yesterday for almost $20,000. So a lot of it's cause and effect. The inventory has changed. It's not as intimate and therefore as valuable as it has been, but we're still seeing comparable bidding activity. And that becomes our 
unique value proposition, which has always been the case. But now it's even more magnified because to find a group of people who are willing to spend this type of money and while doing so support charity is harder and harder today than maybe ever since at least 08, 09. And we have that bidding community. So for a charity, they're gravitating towards us in a really, really meaningful way because they're having to think outside the box and get creative because all their traditional funding sources aren't as viable or robust as they were even four to six weeks ago. I'm looking at the site and it looks like considering everything, you have some pretty pretty impressive, not to, not to like boost this all about charity buzz, but an impressive roster. Are you seeing, you know, people with the means and a lot of these celebrities like rising to the occasion to do their part and and help with COVID-19? And are all these uh, virtual events towards that fund, that charity? It's always promising to see the response amongst whether it's celebrities or brands or athletes during any crisis, but obviously one of this magnitude. So, yes, since this unfortunate series of events began taking effect. We've probably gotten more calls, inquiries, emails from existing partners, but also new partners than ever before. So everyone's reaching out, asking, how are you responding to this? And how can we participate and continue to raise money? So you're seeing a lot of new organizations be created that are in direct response to COVID. And some of those are born out of existing organizations who are now creating funds that are supporting a certain group of people, particularly affected by what's going on. Um, But then you still have existing charities that are not COVID related who still need to raise money. You know, a cancer research organization, an environmental conservation organization, their mission is still very important, Mm -hmm. but it's really difficult for them to be having any compelling call to action to fund while all this is going on, well, we become a way for them to, in some ways, cut through the noise and still be able to raise money. So I think we're going to see that outpouring of support from celebrities and these stakeholders actually increase over time because in a lot of ways, you know, your, your instant reaction is to almost like wait and see what happens. And you're seeing a lot of celebrities just give their own money in meaningful ways, which is the best way that they can support. But then months from now, this is still going to be a big need, both in our country, but across the globe. And for us to be able to sustain the fundraising and be able to raise awareness that this is still impacting a lot of people's lives, we'll be enlisting more and more celebrities to deliver that message and help us raise considerable amount of funds over a long period of time. So it's not just in reaction to what's going on. It's going to go from relief to recovery. And we want to make sure that we're there every step of the way. So to a big degree, with everything that's going on in the outside, the news continuing to pile up, a lot of the fear mongering happening and unprecedented times, how do you, one, and what guidance can you give around keeping your own sanity? there? And, and what have you been doing to rally your team as you go through this transition? Yeah, that's a good question. So I've never worked from home in my life. Like I'm just the type of person that needs to go to an office to work. And home is kind of where I go to relax and spend time with my family. So 
that adjustment has actually been easier than I would have anticipated, but I'm maintaining a routine both for myself professionally, but also for my family. I have two young children. So balancing children with no childcare, my career and also my wife's career has been difficult, but you kind of just have to do it and figure out ways to make it work and be a little more flexible throughout the day. I've been trying to balance all of the fear mongering that you're getting from your traditional news sources with sources of news that are promising. Like there are a lot of good stories that are coming out of this, the amount of people that are recovering, the advancements that are happening within the technology community towards the fight against COVID. Peter Diamandis, the founder of XPRIZE, has a couple newsletters where he's been kind of aggregating all the amazing things that are happening, biotech, AI, machine learning, and how that's really getting us a step ahead in terms of vaccine treatments and just keeping track of everything. And then for the team, a couple of things. So one was before, probably two to three weeks before this really took the turn for the worse, we hosted town halls throughout the office just to make sure that everyone at the company knew this was something that senior leadership was thinking of. And this was something that we wanted to make sure everyone felt supported. So I, I think three weeks before we ended up closing down the office, I let everyone know that if they felt anxious or nervous in any type of way, commuting to the office or being in the office, everyone was more than welcome and encouraged to work from home. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There would be no unfair treatment of those people. Everyone's health and wellness is my number one priority. And I like to think that's how I manage the company regardless. So it, it's, it's an authentic um, way of communicating with everyone. And then once this new reality set in, it was really important for me to get the vision, the framework for how I thought Charity Buzz was going to be impacted by this, right? Be honest. We know this isn't going to be positive. We're going to take a hit. But this is how I believe we can position ourselves through these three stages and how we can be the best position to bounce back quicker and better than anyone. And then it's empowering the team. So now everyone understands kind of the way I'm thinking about it. And it seems like people agree and then allow everyone to kind of operate within that framework and go out and figure out ways that they can then accomplish their individual goals accordingly. And what's happened is what's keeping me sane is I'm just inspired by my team. We don't have a huge team. We're about 35, 40 people. But every day I'm just amazed at how much they're committed, their dedication and all of the amazing output and ideas. And I really believe that our business and our team is going to come out of this stronger because this has forced us and fostered us to have better relationships. I think it's developed people in a really quick way, but it's also for me proven that, you know, whether people are remote or in the office, it doesn't matter. If you have the right people on your team, they could work anywhere because they're motivating themselves from within. And that's the type of team I want. I don't want to have to be checking in on people and looking over people's shoulders. I want to make sure I'm getting entrepreneurs on the team who are treating this like it's their own business. So talk about that. Are there any specific surprises? Obviously, you don't have to name people or anything, especially trying times like this. 
you know, people can get a little caught up in the moment, a little pause, like just have a tough time adjusting. Being a startup, I think you're probably looking for that entrepreneur that is going to be go-getter and adapt. And But have, have you noticed any of the uh, pause or issues around that? No, I can honestly say that everyone's kind of been cranking at the same level. So one thing I instituted immediately upon us all being remote was a daily stand-up for my senior leadership team and then encouraged each of them to also schedule daily stand-ups with their respective teams. Everything to be done over video, face-to-face contact, even virtual is going to be more critical now than ever. And you know, what's funny is I think there's probably more meaningful conversations and connections taking place because, you know, every virtual meeting or conversation, it's, it's a bit more deliberate. It's a bit more focused, but you're getting more interaction because you'll see a dynamic. It happens, I think, in most offices where people who are even sitting on the same floor are communicating via Slack or some other messaging application versus just talking to each other face to face now because this becomes people's networks or communities throughout this especially as they're isolated everyone's just using the video call function on slack or setting up a quick hangout or zoom and now you're seeing more kind of virtual face-to-face conversations than ever before and i hope that's one of the effects that this will have that lasts way beyond the pandemic because i think that's positive and will make the dynamics of my team, but also probably across a lot of other businesses and communities a lot stronger. Let's talk about one of the biggest challenges I think companies are having right now is to a certain extent, it's one thing to teach someone when you're sitting right next to them and it's another when it's, it's virtual. So uh, I know that you recently brought on a new VP of digital marketing. How's that onboarding been? Obviously he's a senior person kind of knows what things he needs to kind of ramp up with, but there's certain things he needs to learn as well. And how's that gone? Yeah, I'll I'll plug you on this because you placed him and he's a really, really high quality candidate, but I was worried. So in addition to our new head of marketing, we also onboarded a new business development manager on the same day. Both were hired way before this, but we maintained our commitment to both of them. And virtual onboarding, it had me a little concerned just because I've never uh, managed it. I've never seen it happen with any of my companies. And it's been relatively successful. So part of it's probably because we got two really good new people on the team, but also partially because the existing team is very invested in them becoming up to speed. So A lot of it has been done just again with like a lot of touch bases, video calls, a pretty clear onboarding schedule. So we get them the information they need and but then also give them enough time to absorb it. So we're not overwhelming them. But so far, so good. He's very far along the head of marketing. We're about to conclude week two. So definitely something different. But the way I look at all of this is you kind of have like a decision to make at the beginning of all of these unprecedented times happening. You can either kind of like decide you're just going to roll with the blows and it's going to be bad and that's just the way it's going to be, or you can try to make the best of it. And it's, it's tough to say, I want to make the best out of such a terrible situation, but that's the only way to deal with it. And that's how I'm personally handling it. 
you know, Jonathan, you know me relatively well and a pretty positive, high energy guy. Thinking of myself as like the company cheerleader. But that's the tone we had to set because the alternative is going to be something where whatever negative impact this has on our business, we can either make it a lot worse by accepting it or we can mitigate it as much as possible by trying to find our spots and using this as a time to work on big strategic initiatives and get ready for when this is over. And I believe that that third stage is the floodgates will open and there will be such incredible amount of pent up demand. Everyone's going to want to go experience everything. There's going to be mm-hmm. the, the, a huge concert, like that first football game or baseball game. When this is over, it's going to be the greatest single game and event of all time. We need to be ready for that because that's where we live. That's what our business does. And if we're not ready for it, we're going to miss a really big opportunity to raise a lot of money for charity and help them make up these shortfalls that they're going to experience now and will continue to experience until this whole thing is over. So one of the things I would give guidance around as you guys are a little bit newer to the remote hiring is I've done done it for a while. I have a team in the Philippines and have hired people remotely here, but I've invested a lot in, you know, video training, Loom, and then specifically a tool called Stonely. It can even be in a Google Doc. But if there's a process, and it depends on what the tool is, right? When you hire really good people, it's just easier. But especially if you're starting to scale out as an organization and doing repetitive tasks, I feel like any way you can document that and then get the the new hires to help contribute towards it and fill in the blanks, the better. Then it just kind of scales itself and you'll, you'll find more efficiency. So introductions of the marketing stack or what have you. You put it in a, a sheet with some videos and then every few months you're kind of updating it. This way, someone can start and kind of plug along. And of course, you you still schedule the one-on-ones, but it's more like asking questions and digging in where they've had some time to kind of review the material. And then it's also a good reference point for them later on if they have questions to go and watch. So big fan of that. I think it's been, it's really helpful. And, and like you said, getting, you know, just showing face and doing videos, really getting a sense for someone when you're talking on the phone, you don't really know exactly how they're feeling about it. You can pick up on facial expressions. So it sounds like you guys are doing things the right way, which is great. Now, if we jump into what's been the biggest challenge managing the team remotely, other than that, you have some young people on the team, you have roommates, you know, some of those roommates are unfortunately laid off of work just due to what they were doing. So, you know, now all of a sudden you're forced to be at home and you can't concentrate. Have you guys dealt with any of that? I've seen a few clients that have had that. I've seen people that have their dog barking nonstop or kids like any tips to young parents or I've seen both across my team, but also speaking with friends and colleagues at other businesses that some people are embarrassed or think it's inappropriate, whether it's a roommate, a dog barking or kids kind of interrupting the video conference. And my advice is just embrace it, right? Like we're all going through this. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone is experiencing some level of it. My two-year-old makes a appearance basically every morning during my daily stand-up. So now it's just a thing. You know, now people are waiting for when is Isabella going to pop on the screen, probably like try to draw on me with a crayon and then run away. And, you know, (laughs) now it's like a fun part of the meeting. And, you know, it makes people, I think it just increases the connection because like our new hire, the head of marketing, who I'm speaking to a lot, 
we don't know each other that well, right? He's only worked here for two weeks, but now he knows my kids. Now he's met my wife over video. He's kind of like seen my house. And I think it's probably accelerated us knowing each other. I've seen where he lives and works. And, you know, also just because of all of this, I start every conversation with everyone of like, how are you doing? For me, running the business, my number one concern is like just everyone's well-being mentally and physically. So just making sure everyone's doing well. But that means that every conversation starts with a personal conversation. And that that wouldn't necessarily happen if we were maintaining status quo and working in the office. It would probably be like, let's get right to the point, focus on the professional stuff. So, yeah, it's it's creating some like unique dynamics in relationships. But, yeah, I'd say to everyone, just embrace it. No one should be. And I don't think anyone is judging you because your current situation. And if you're a manager, just be more flexible with everyone. You know, they might not be able to work eight to six or nine to seven. They may need to take some breaks throughout the day and make it up later in the night or earlier in the morning or just be more focused on priorities throughout the day because if you have young kids, there's no childcare right now. That's just something that's going to affect your focus and potentially your productivity. But I certainly don't want anyone to ignore their children or others. Like, you know, just gotta, everyone's gotta roll with the blows and be understanding. And again, I think that's why the overall dynamic of the team is going to be strengthened because it's very human and it's a lot more personal. I think what's great about this is a lot of companies that were very old school in terms of everyone needs to be in the office. I mean, I even have some clients that literally they're so strict that they're like, we only work from these hours. Everyone has to be there. It's almost like the old, the banking, investment banking, like you got to be there FaceTime. And I always view it as like, give the person goals. If they hit it, do you really give a shit when you see them in the office? And I get it. There's a collaboration standpoint. It's hard, but I think it's really showing companies that this isn't as scary. I'm sure there's companies that are freaking out and really struggling with it, but perhaps any change is going to be scary for them, but it sounds like you're kind of experiencing the same. Yeah. We're unique because our business is centered around, part of our business is centered around like being creative and innovative to raise money for charities. So when something like this happens, our value proposition, I believe, is magnified because we have an alternative to your live gala. We've got an alternative to a lot of your traditional fundraising. So like, I think we actually are well positioned relatively versus a lot of other businesses. So that's interesting for us, right? That's different than being in a business that doesn't have any outs, but you know, we still got to be nimble. We still got to be trying new things because we just have, like, we have this commitment. Like our partners are hurting just as bad, if not worse than us and others. So we work really hard to support them. And I, I don't think it hurts. I think it benefits that, you know, we're a purpose centric organization. So I think people right now are trying to figure out what they can do to help because there's so much bad and hardships happening in the world. Our business is helping people. So I don't have to like manufacture a lot of motivation for people to work really hard right now. I've hired people who really care about right. the mission yep. and you got to double down right now. If we go more, obviously Ivan's probably a better person to dig into with this, but I know that you are very tied in and you're paying attention to the numbers. 
in your role. So what, what have you seen with the metrics in terms of ad spend and your acquisition funnel in these last few weeks versus before? Yeah, like week by week, it's even changing. So we pay attention to a KPI called bid increment, which is exactly as you uh, the name implies. It's the amount of increment an ad would drive to the site. So if an auction lot's at 10000 and, so, and we attribute a bid of $11,000 to an ad, that bid increment is $1,000. So we've seen actually steady bid increments. You know, we've seen some CPMs go lower but the conversions aren't as good. So CPCs are like creeping up a little bit. Overall, we're not seeing like a humongous degradation of performance across channels. Paid is a lot more consistent than others. So you're seeing email, not this week, but weeks before was coming down a little bit, Mm -hmm. whereas we saw a lot more static performance on the paid side. So paid would become more important to us. But a lot of it's a lot of it's kicking back into better numbers for us again because we finally this week started populating the site with inventory that was relevant targeted at sure. right. this new reality. So yeah. you know, we, we put all the markers in place that all of our performance metrics, all of the data from when this started to right now, we don't want to be using as necessarily like our year year over year numbers. Right. We got to be evaluating all of this with a grain of salt. So one of the first things I've been put into place was a pretty easy annotation log. So like everything has a little more context, especially right now. So in a year from now, two years from now, when we look back, we know exactly the context of what we're looking at. So Mm -hmm. we don't make decisions based on not having that information. Yep. Makes sense. A lot of companies in similar pivots where you guys have always been digital first to a big degree but you have other companies that are more retail heavy and starting to go aggressively after similar demographics. How do you feel like those numbers are going to change, right? Or it's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen exactly on the paid side. I mean, for us, a lot of it's just directly related to inventory. Mm -hmm. But again, since we're also a cause focus company and therefore like our messaging and all of our advertising is the impact, I think we've got a real opportunity because people know how important it is to support those that are being impacted or less fortunate throughout all of this. Yeah, I think through the next couple months, it's going to hurt for a lot of people. Markets are going to continue to be volatile. So people are going to be less inclined to spend money. Hopefully the CARES Act helps for it. I think it will. Then when we get over the hump again, I think you'll see markets start to level out a little bit less volatile. That aspirational buying is interesting to us, but when the floodgates open and this pent-up demand happens, which I think stage three, I'm thinking it's Q4, but I don't know. You know, I'm going to be iterating on all this as news comes in. I think we have a huge opportunity, and I think we could even make a lot of it back, if not this year, the next year. And a lot of the work that we're able to put our head down and accomplish during this time will start paying off as we hit later in the year and into next year. And that's how we're thinking of the business. Do everything we can right now, but don't lose sight of being able to take advantage of some more like head down strategic work so that we can bounce back faster and better than anyone. From a standpoint of you've been around for a bit, you've gone through other crises, like what things have you are you leaning on now that you saw in the past or that have been helpful and whether it's forecasting, 
Yeah. So, you know, other crises I've been through, I haven't been in a leadership position. So I think what I've learned is, you know, it's my responsibility to set the tone. It's my responsibility to have a point of view. I have no idea whether or not these three stages are going to be reality, but it's, it's informed. It's based on a lot of reading and research. And then all of my forecasting is based on this point of view. So I've built, you know, worst case scenario, best case scenario, forecasting for the whole year, reforecasted everything, but it's based on these three stages. So at least there's consistency with how we're looking at the business, how we're baselining. And then, you know, as things develop and hopefully it's positive, I'm trying to be optimistic here. We can make those changes to the forecast and the point of view accordingly. But yeah, I think it's just important to get in front of this. Develop your own point of view. Socialize that point of view from your team. They're looking to you, the leader, to tell them what the plan is. And if you have a plan, the plan makes sense, and you can communicate it effectively, that's why I believe our team has responded because they're at least somewhat confident that the company is responding to this quickly and educationally and, and we're informed. And then from there, you kind of just stay on top of it, iterate as necessary, and just keep on moving forward. It's all about like moving forward in the right direction. Don't stop. Don't deviate unless you need to and stay focused. Yeah, a lot of the things we've been seeing is like the ability to pivot and iterate. You see some businesses that have been really hit hard, but they're figuring out ways that they can use their infrastructure operations to support others. And they're just trying to do, be as creative as they can. You have others that I feel like have been a little bit stifled. And then, of course, there's somewhere to really change everything up. It might not be as easy of a pivot. I think the key thing is to act as quickly as you can. And a lot of these businesses you end up finding new businesses within that end up becoming stronger and the team's ability to react overall, the company has a much stronger bounce back. So this has been great. I really appreciate taking the time today. Always great catching up. I know that this will be very helpful for many. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Always happy to chat. Appreciate you having me on. You know, look forward to continue keeping in touch and we'll be talking soon. I hope you've enjoyed these marketing and product leader stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you've liked what you've heard, please write us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, I look forward to you joining me on the next Into the C-Suite Leadership Rocket Talent podcast.